Welcome everyone to another episode of the In Real Deep podcast. I'm your host, Steve Semino, senior writer at InRealDeep.com, and with me as always is executive editor Andrew Johnson. Hey there, Andrew. Spooky Andrew Ghost Andrew. We gotta think of a nickname for you that ties your name in like everyone does with their Twitter handles. We gotta think of something ghosty for you. And Bert. And boo. And boo. <laughs> I was hoping we wouldn't go down that route, but it just makes so much sense, right? Uh, I mean, for for having two seconds to come up with it, I think that was pretty good. <laughs> That's what we're all about, the spur of the moment on this. We don't plan, we just go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, welcome, Andrew, and our listeners back to Horror Month on the In Real Deep podcast. We've been talking horror all throughout October. We have had two episodes already. We had a little intro to horror, and then we had Rosemary's Baby last week. And this week, we are talking about The Thing, the 1982 John Carpenter movie, the science fiction horror film. It is, uh, I would say, I guess it's sort of a cult classic, though I think it has taken on beyond cult status at this point. I don't really know what we even call a cult classic anymore these days, but... Great movie, beloved science fiction film, and I think another great entry in what we've talked about this entire month in terms of what is horror. This is one of those movies that, though it clearly is science fiction, it has a plethora of horror elements, and I think it is probably, beyond Alien, the best melding of those two genres you're ever going to find. Yeah, I think... Uh, Old claim, I can't necessarily... I haven't thought of a whole list yeah. yet, but <laughs> it seems to me it's hard to get any better than this, in my opinion, or, or at least to even get close to this is, is, is tough. Uh, uh, yeah, it's... it's. Uh, I mean, you got Predator and some other ones in there that... Predator's not you know, hard, where, maybe, though. Did you, you, I guess uh, here we go. Here we go again. <laughs> I, I guess know. Predator's more horror than King Kong, I will say that. <laughs> Should I? The old I'm forced King Kong. to... Not, not, not Kong Skull Island. Yeah, no, this is a this was a really, really fun fun watch. Um, I felt like uh, I, I it, it's a great contrast to Rosemary's Baby, which was the previous one we did in a lot of ways. But like I was, you know, Rosemary's Bar- Baby is so psychological and quiet and sort of methodical, almost plotting. And this movie is like the complete opposite. So I was really ready to watch something like this. You know, it it like just drops you in action from the start sci-fi mystery thing lots of gore and splatter and um and a lot again like you said kind of shows the range of of horror because it it uh it's it's still horror but it's in a totally different different space than we were before absolutely speaking of action from the start let's not leave beverage of choice behind let's get into that sort of hot action andrew what are you consuming for this horror month podcast uh, I am consuming an uh, apothic red, mainly so that uh, if it spills on my white carpet, that it will look like a scene from the thing. So there's a lot of danger <laughs> going on here. So that is some great thematic relevance there. Good job. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm drinking a faction, the Penske File, which is a, an, a brewery out here in Los Angeles where I reside. And the Penske File, if you don't know, is a Seinfeld reference. Not particularly scary, more comedy than that, but there's a picture of George Costanza holding a big file on the cover of the beer. So if you're a Seinfeld fan and you can walk by this beer without buying it, kudos to you because I did not have the willpower. I was instantly sucked in. And it's delicious to boot. But not scary, not definitely not planned out like yours. But big thumbs up to them, though. A, a good label would get you almost every time. I think so. Yeah, the Seinfeld thing means pretty much nothing to me. Uh, but I, I <laughs> don't give me too much credit because I made that up five seconds ago um, about it spilling. You're great. Your imp- your improv skills are on fire tonight. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get back to the thing. So, like we said, this is a John Carpenter film. I'm not a John Carpenter, you know, aficionado. I've not seen all of his filmography, but I know his work very well, and I've seen a bunch of them. And I think this is the movie. This and Halloween are two of the movies I think most people think of when you think about John Carpenter, along with the Escape series and a lot of other things that involve Kurt Russell. But this is <laughs> just, you know, this is a relentlessly 80s movie, uh, a great Ennio Morricone, Morricone score, and just some of the the effects we were just talking about before we came on are we're we're dated I'm sure the moment they were out there but sort of <laughs> dated with a purpose like it does it tries to be just outrageous and absurd and yeah. it doesn't go for any bit of realism and I think it it makes them you know this many years later 25 years later it stands the test of time 35 years later it it still looks great because it just it works for its era and it works for this type of movie yeah, I, you know, I, I was, it's it's odd that we've, I, you know, I've watched a bunch of movies actually from this time period lately, mainly the other one I can think of is Blade Runner, which is, which came out the same year and um, effects wise has, has aged quite a bit better, I would say. Um, so I've been kind of sitting here wondering like, is, is, is that just Blade Runner being super before its time? Is that um is that this movie just not having great effects uh or 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 like are are most effects sort of like doing like are we going to be sitting here 25 years from now being like those marvel movies look like dog crap um i don't really know but i i agree that the 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 special effects the practical effects are are um they just uh like the rest of the movie they just go for it like and and there's no um there's just a hard commitment to what the movie's going to be. And um, yeah, they look dated, but they also are like incredibly entertaining and amusing. I mean, you know, there's just too. stuff. Like not, not so, not so yeah. to be like to be comical, but also to have enough to, yeah. like, to go, ew, like, oh, yeah, that's not yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> everything's, every, I feel like everything's sticky. Just like, I feel like, I feel like, like the, the, if that was in my house, the cat hair would be all over it, you know. And that's that actually is kind of re- revolting in, a, in its own way. <laughs> you you hit the nail on the head, though. One of the things I think is so great about this movie is it does it goes from st- moment one. Like the there's a little you know ambiguity. There's a little uh, not ambiguity, but there's a little concern in the beginning. You're not totally sure for the first ten minutes. You're a little kept in the dark, and then almost immediately you find out there's something loose. Everyone on the in the station, Kurt Russell and his whole team of research scientists, find out that there's a monster pretty much at the same time, and then it just goes from there. There's you know so many movies you see one person find out, and mm-hmm. then he or she is trying to convince the team, and that just draws the story out. And I guess it's sort of you can argue it adds tension, but really it just it just at least like you said, Carpenter and his and his writer here clearly knew we want to get right to the stuff we don't want there to be any sort of farting around debating what's happening that's not fun like that's not action like we want there to be we want there to be murder monster gore scares like they they just they get it from the start and it's refreshing to see because just so many other movies will you know you know tiptoe around the obvious and it's it's great to see one that just says nope this is what's happening here we go yeah well like i mean like with all things it depends on what you know, it depends on the vision of the filmmaker, right? Like, so Rosemary's Baby is actually what you're describing, right? In a lot of ways, it doesn't, it it doesn't, it, it well, there's not like a a tiered discovery, I guess. It's really just one person trying to figure out what the hell's going on, but um, 
that's the whole movie. Like it just drags that out and it's, it's still really effective. Um, in this case, it just seems clear to me that like John Carpenter wanted to make like action sci-fi splatter and he just went for it. And it, it just starts like from the be- very beginning of the film you're, and it's set in Antarctica, um, on an American base down there. Um, and from the minute it starts, you've got this helicopter, flying after a dog and they're trying to shoot the dog like a, a dog on the on the tundra of of antarctica and you're just really confused but still trying to like sort of figure out what what what's going on and then as the story progresses from there you just you really it's weird because it's it's like it, you don't get your you don't get a chance to really catch your breath but that's totally fine in this in this story like you don't you don't need to. You don't need to know the backstory of Kurt Russell's character or Wilford Brimley's character. Anyone else is in it, because um, you know because of the setting, because of what what what's being gone for. It's it's just a very it's a very effective movie again in a very different way from from what we we just talked about last week. So yeah, you're totally right. And the setting is you know perfect, obviously because they're cut off already from the world. Right. And this the confusion that and I, I love the idea that the Norwegians in the beginning could have conceivably saved the world, but then they right. get gunned down by the Americans because they have no idea why are these crazy people right. showing up with helicopters and guns. Like it all right. it all makes perfect sense as it goes, but he, they don't hold your hands at all. And like you said, and you you're totally right. And Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> There was a Roman Polanski had a very different purpose. Like he was trying mm-hmm. to tell a long, a long drawn out. But but when you're doing these sort of uh, when you when I think of these action sort of monster uh, uncertainty paranoia type movies, I feel like a lot of them draw it out way longer yeah. than they should. And I, yeah. I don't know why they did because 35 years ago, John Carpenter nailed the formula. Like get right to it. Make the make the make the paranoia about who to trust and and where the monster is the focus, not not the question of whether there is really a monster. And I know Kurt Russell said in interviews afterwards that he's he, he I, I read one yesterday. He's really he loves the reception this movie gets because I think it resonates. The paranoia in it is is such a strong element and it's so pervasive. You can't miss what this movie's about. You, there's no uncertainty there about what message Carpenter and his actors are trying to convey. There's just nonstop concern and fear and looking in each other's eyes. These human beings who don't trust each other. Like I know it, it, uh, Russell spoke very highly of, of how it's being interpreted critically culturally and otherwise in these days because i mean nowadays it probably resonates more than ever but it is just it is really nice to see one of these movies that doesn't doesn't shirk it's in in showing you what it is and, and still but also not laying it on too thick and and putting it right in your face you know it it allows for the movie to the story to be told but it doesn't hide what it's about and and it's just really expert sort of horror sci-fi mingling from a director who obviously has, has dipped a toe in both areas and pretty much mastered both of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, um, you know, like again, Rosemary's baby was really about sort of the isolation. It, it, they're, they're both in a way movies about isolation, right? Like it's about the isolation of one person in a city of millions. And then, uh, this is about just total isolation and, and it, it's sort of, you know, I, I don't want to give it, like too much thematic credit, but it does, it does dig up sort of like a Lord of the Flies type, um, uh, you know, theme, right. Where it's like, um, should we even be here? You know, this is the problem with being isolated. Like, should we even be in Antarctica? I mean, that's kind of one of the, one of the questions I think that's posed by the, by the film. Like we're kind of where we shouldn't, where human life isn't meant to be. Um, and this is kind of what happens when you, uh, when you when you dabble with forces like that so so it is like it is um it it 
there is some like I think thematic richness there, despite the fact that it's just it is also a movie that um, you know is is a way to get your get your rocks off if you like flamethrowers and gore. <laughs> you know, I mean, like really, like any movie that's like Mac wants a flamethrower, that, that's a line in it is just going to be a great movie. Yeah. I, it's, it's, or it's going to have a certain entertainment value, that's for sure. The use of a flamethrower throughout as a primary weapon was very satisfying oh, because you don't always so find a use good. for those in movies. It does not always pertinent. But in the ice and with a monster that gets burned, it's it's a great yep. touch. Yep, yep. Yeah. I thought, and I think it's you know it's one of the ways that I I really appreciated it's sort of relentlessness is they they take out a series of dogs in the beginning of the movie. I think you know yeah. the the one of the quickest ways to upset and unsettle people is to show <laughs> dogs being you know torn yeah. apart and frightened and shot at and killed by monsters like that. Really, like I think just shows that this is a unforgiving creature that will just crush whatever's in its path. And and like you said, it, it's one of the things that is is great about this is there it doesn't waste time establishing the rules of the monster the rule the monster can do whatever it wants like within reason like they they say that Wilford Brimley and the biologist and the doctor they they established a little bit of ground rules on what they how they determine what it can and can't do but otherwise it just serves the the narrative purpose it never strays too far from what is relatively realistic but like when the doctor has his hands in a patient's stomach and the stomach turns into big teeth and literally bites his hands off that's a little ridiculous but you're like well i guess the monster can make a stomach into teeth you know like it's it's again these 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 tools would not be useful in everybody's repertoire a lot of directors and writers and, and filmmakers would would go astray with that or take it too far make it too campy but carpenter for whatever reason has a way to make sort of the campy real like or the campy or keep it close enough to to expectations and to some sort of reality that he's established that it never it never takes you out of the movie and it like you said it makes you chuckle and you laugh sometimes but that almost that feels like the point and and it never makes you doubt the veracity of what you're seeing like it all just fits and i don't i think that's just a skill that he has as a filmmaker that most other people can't match yeah and so i guess that this is the point where we should sort of talk about john carpenter and um you know I mean, he he basically owned owned the '80s in a lot of ways. I mean, there's a couple Johns that own the own the 1980s. John Hughes, of course, as well. But like, you know, um, this was his time, and this was a this was a, you know, I, I'm actually like I was just thinking like, how is there not a sequel to this movie? There was a remake in 2011, but um, it's kind of surprising that there wasn't like a this 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 seems so ripe for like for for being a sequel because of the I mean, the thing can just keep coming back, you know, you can, and everything in the 1980s was a sequel. So, um, so it's, it's kind of amazing in that regard. I mean, the other thing you got to talk about beyond John Carpenter is like the cast is really incredible in, uh, like it's got Kurt Russell at his like, like probably peak Kurt Russell, I think we would say. Um, he was looking you know, good here. Yeah, he was looking good. You know, he had Goldie <laughs> Hawn's hairstylist. <laughs> but then the rest of the cast, and, and I think the whole setup of the movie, right, is it's like it's all all men in this space, that all grown men that don't really that are you know probably like you know testosterone's running high anyway. And then this this sort of happens. But then like the cast is just filled with that guys beyond Kurt Russell. Like like they're all noticeable. Wilford Brimley being sort of the chief the chief one, although maybe he's not as noticeable as he should be. I think you'll you'll cover that. Um, <laughs> but uh, but it's like it's a great cast of that guys, you know, like, oh that guy. Like they they most of them are not like 
people most people would know by name but they're all like very skilled they've all been in a lot of stuff um and so that like i think it's just it's just it's just in it's just an expert hands you know in, in a lot of ways so yeah i totally agree and, and like you said about wilford brimley uh that that lack of mustache certainly makes me makes <laughs> me hate him more when he when he's revealed at the end to be possessed i'm like yeah, yeah of course he is he doesn't have the mustache like uh, uh, you, you, <laughs> the alien probably told him to shave it off they took it from yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're totally right though. It is there is a and, and it's it's brutal in its depiction of how these men interact with each other. You know, Kurt Russell in in his moment of when they sort of suspect when when they suspect Mac his character of being uh, taken yeah. over by the alien and he is with he is the dynamite and he's protecting himself. He shoots the one guy and it turns out that he is not even a monster. He right. is not possessed. He Clark. He was just a guy, and so he, and they even say, "Mac, you just murdered Clark." And yeah. Carvalho goes, "Eh, what are you gonna do?" And they just keep going forward. But they they burn, you know, one of their men alive as he's turning into the thing with his hands all as like weird sinewy strips. They they burn so mm-hmm. they they are forced very quickly to deal with the reality of that these that their friends and and close you know people they're so associated with are all turning into monsters and i think it does you know again it's hard to call anything in this movie realistic but i appreciate that these in this frozen tundra where most men or women or anyone are not supposed to go that they're forced to sort of resort to these base tendencies of you know burn everything survive don't trust anyone like it just sort of taps into those sort of base instincts that that human beings have and it's it's you know and it's not relentlessly bleak it just sort of works for the movie but when you step back and think about it you're like wow they are just killing each other and burning each other and like they they get on they get they uh they accept that as as the the course of action relatively quickly <laughs> yeah because i guess they're they're hard gentlemen down there in antarctica sure. um what what is your favorite moment of gore in in this movie i i, per, I have a personal favorite <laughs> i mean there's so many to choose from i know but I love the most, mostly because I was thinking about how they film the scene when Kurt Russell is burning the uh, the, the blood to see who is who is yeah. possessed by the thing or not. Um, when when he catches, um, I forget the Palmer, I think his name is, and Palmer's revealed to be possessed. I keep saying possessed. I don't think that possesses the word they use. Taken over by the thing, and then yeah. he his head basically starts to explode while he's next to uh, Gary yeah. and Childs, Keith David, and they're freaking out. Ah, get me out of here! Ah, get me out of here! And I just imagine filming that scene like he just had the one guy out of shot, and they were just on a couch, just you know, whoa, whoa, a monster, whoa! And, then, and meanwhile, the other shot is the guy's head literally just getting gorier and gorier every time they cut back to it, exploding stuff coming out of it. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just love the idea of John Carpenter explaining to Keith David and yeah, Donald Moffat, yeah. like, okay, now it's exploding. Yeah. Oh, it's getting bigger. It's getting bigger. Yeah. Watch out. Yeah. Like, was this in the screenplay? Like, I don't... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, my, my, my favorite moment was when... I don't even remember. It may have been the same character uh, when his decapitated head turns into a spider somehow. Like, mm. I just... I don't even understand what, like... That was just really, again, it was it was very imaginative. Again, even though it looks like it's something from the 1980s, it just, uh, I've never seen anything like that before. So that was my, my personal favorite. But again, so, so many to choose from. <laughs> 
And that's and that's as silly as that is. It's terrifying in principle. If a head grew legs and started walking yeah. around, there's no way that's not unsettling. You know, as silly as it might look, it's like whoa, that head is. And and it, it's also great that that, that more proof that this is sort of played for laughs in a lot of ways. That head doesn't go. That, that they all turn and sort of see the head. And I think most yeah. of like get the fuck out of here. What the fuck? Yeah. Like I think it's the only fuck in the entire movie. And they should save the fuck for the head that's walking around with spider legs. That is that is a fuck worthy turn of events. No, well, I I think there is one at the very end, right before Kurt Russell's about to say or about to like set off the dynamite where the someone's turning into the thing and he goes, yeah, fuck you too. (laughs) (laughs) Which is also a great moment. Two fucks. A a sort of scared fuck. And then an aggressive, like we're going to win. Fuck. Yeah. Fuck you too. Well, I'm going (laughs) to die, but uh, you're, you're going down with me. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that actually was, that might be the best gore of the movie is the way. And when Kurt Russell has a brief encounter with the thing sort of exposed with the dog head coming out of it and the other heads, like just show that's it's again, it's, it's ridiculous, but, it, it's it's still frightening like it and it def, it is it is not the heart it's well it, it that, that that's another interesting conversation about this too is it 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 bridges it, it, there's the john carpenter heart you know halloween and the slasher movies that follow mm-hmm. and this obviously falls more on the sci-fi level but it also touches on the 80s elements which were a little more which were dated and silly at least as we look back now but it's still scary. Like it, it sort of encompasses a lot of the things we've talked about on this podcast on what makes a horror movie, and it really takes a little piece from each of them, which I find interesting. It doesn't. It doesn't convey or, or stick to any sort of path that it should go down. It doesn't try and be conventional in any sense. It really tries to do a little bit of everything. It tries to be a little funny, a little weird, a little aggressive, a little gross. Like I just think combining all of those elements into this, you know tightly you know packed story of, of of science fiction alien encounter i think it's just a really impressive feat yeah and it's it's got a lot in common with with alien which predated it by i think three years um i think aliens effects hold up better um aliens also more sh- sparse too and it's like this 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 gives you yeah, a lot it, like you yeah. wait for the see the alien you don't really wait yeah. to see the thing here they put it on well, pretty quickly and the, and the alien is not trying to impersonate you know human beings so it's it's a different it's a different challenge altogether but um this one i mean i love alien but this one just de- definitely has way a way better sense of humor um it's it's much more enjoyable uh i think when you get down to the sort of horror elements here the the real horror is is as we've kind of touched upon the what i would call the lord of the flies elements here like everyone kind of turning on each other and you you're right there is like when you when you, you laugh and kind of in you know sort of perverse way enjoy the movie but then you look back and you look at the body count and there's a bunch of people that didn't have to die that died um I mean, again, it's understandable, but that's that to me is like the real, the, the horror part of it is all the, is the body count to sort of, um, to sort of stave off this this supernatural um, being. I mean, that's that's the that's the unsettling sort of sort of part, and uh, and and that all stems as well from the sort of the isolation uh, that the, the characters have. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's again, in a totally different lane than we've traveled in already. And um, (laughs) that, that was, that was great to, great to experience. And as a first time viewer, I'm, I'm glad I've now, I've now seen this, seen this movie. Um, You know, the other, the other one, it kind of reminded me of a little bit. I don't know if you've ever seen Hellraiser. Um, I've not. But Hellraiser has sort of got, I'd say, about the same level of effects, and it is also in the same 
um, the same sort of uh, just just commitment level to to what it's trying to be, um, and so uh, so so and another of course '80s movie. So so that 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 was the other one that this sort of uh, uh, brought to mind. Sure, and we and we said this already, but but just having the star power of Kurt Russell in this sort of movie just takes it to another level. Like it yep. makes the McCready character so much more because McCready's not a good person. Like he's sort of your de facto protagonist because he's Kurt Russell right. and he's he's clearly the main character. But again, he he shoots a man in the head. He's a drunk. <laughs> he's a reactionary. Yeah. He's he's not meant to be heroic in any real sense. And there's no real heroic. I mean, there's no heroic elements really in the entire movie. Like they're fighting to survive, which yeah. is a natural instinct. And at the end, and they're certainly want to save the world, but, but that's not really, that's sort of hinted at without really being the primary focus. Like ultimately they're just trying not to die. And at the yeah. end there's their, their victory is a brief reprieve that we think like we, we assume the monster may be defeated, but we have absolutely no idea. And our two remaining characters, McCready and Childs, Kurt Russell and Keith David are gonna whether whether they're the monster or not are probably gonna die that night yeah so, yeah there's really nothing yeah. to hang your hat on in the end beyond, <laughs> no, no, beyond the no. movie is over now and that's yeah. it but it, i think it's it's like kurt russell's a swashbuckler so it kind of like pulls it off without being like crushingly depressing i suppose um yeah i mean uh like the kurt russell care i mean this is another i guess uh, another way to sort of praise the movie would be you know um in the very beginning of the movie, he's like playing chess on the computer or whatever, and he dumps his drink into the machine because he's mad because he lost. <laughs> I mean, like, what a great way to just establish that character without any actual backstory at all, you know? Like, I mean, what a, what a, you know exactly who that guy is by the fact that he dumps his J and B in the, in a, presumably expensive computer. Yeah, and they're um, in Antarctica. You can't get a new in computer. Antarctica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I. <laughs> What a great way to establish like what a swashbuckling dick this guy is going to be. So yeah, eighty uh, Kurt Russell is, is a sight to behold. I was so happy to see him in this. Yeah, far cry from Guardians of the Galaxy too. Although I like now thinking about that, I'm like, yeah, he's he's really tapping into you know thirty thirty forty years of 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 star power. You know, really when when we see him now. So yeah, he's playing uh, off and, and especially in the in the hateful eight too. He's playing off yeah. the Kurt Russell as Kurt Russell as yeah. Shaggy hero. And then and and now then either slightly turning evil or, or being one up. It's like it's good that he's willing in a little way. It's nice that he's willing to get involved in those sort of things and accept that now he's old man Kurt Russell and he can he can somehow sometimes be one upped by by assorted heroes slash other uh, you know enemies. Yeah, I mean at this point we should probably I I think we should just say that like I I really like Kurt Russell generally. Like I think he's got that's he not just the hottest seems, take you've ever drawn. No, I know, but like I I think he's just. Uh, you know he's he for what for what he is he is he is uh incredibly he just seems to have fun with everything he does you know like i'm just thinking about his whole career now he, and um, I mean, he he never overextends himself or rarely yeah. overextends himself like he plays yeah. you know there's i think about in miracle where he sort of played a different type of yeah, character than you yeah. expect but almost always there was this kurt russell character where he put a little different you know twist on it every now and then but yep. he stuck yep. to what worked and it was great because it wasn't and it was it was never like very consequential roles like he never tried to pump right. himself up or take on something he would just be himself and he looked like he was having a great time and that, honestly that's the way i'd want to be if i was a, a big actor <laughs> Yeah, I want to enjoy totally. myself. I want to have a lot of fun. I want to establish a super cool persona. I want to have awesome hair. Like, what? There's no downside <laughs> to any of that, you know. I want to date Goldie Hawn yeah. for a while. 
Yeah, you don't want to uh, you don't want to become Abraham Lincoln for eighteen months as a method actor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the other side of the equation, yeah. and then that's great. It's cool to win awards, I guess, but it just it yeah. definitely seems yeah. much less enjoyable. Yeah, no, totally. I I totally agree. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the thing is great. The thing is really really fun. And we're not gonna watch the remake, so don't even ask us about that. We're good. There's one, the thing, and we we enjoyed it for what it was, and I don't think anyone needs to to see the remake but it's it's real it's a great entry in this horror month series because like we said it it came along at a great time and 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 you know if had we done something like halloween andrew i feel like that's been that's a path that's been well trod there's you know if you haven't seen halloween you know the beats just from seeing the next 30 years of horror movies. (laughs) right exactly this is a path that is less you know less commonly gone down in this in this genre yeah, well, and it's like, I mean, that I, I guess that's where we sort of started, which is like, that's the kind of movie everyone thinks of as horror. And we've kind of intentionally chosen things that are, well, I mean, people think of these movies as horror, but they're not, they're not just horror or they're not like the canon or something like that, you know? So yeah, we didn't do Psycho Halloween and Scream or something like that, you know, yep. um, for, for, uh, for a distinct purpose, because we're, we're trying to sort of explore the the outer boundaries, the Antarctica's of the of the genre, I suppose. <laughs> that's right. uh, so. Oh, that's correct, Andrew. So, <clears throat> yeah. So, if you th- the thing, if you have not seen it before this podcast, it is available on Showtime right now as we speak. Go get a free week long trial, or maybe someone you know has Showtime and they'll let you use your login. But it's it's very much worth seeing. Go buy it or rent it on Amazon or iTunes. It is a hundred percent worth watching and. It, it deserves, I think it deserves every bit of praise it's received in the last couple of years. Yeah, fun, fun film, fun, very fun. Glad I, glad I spent the time. And I had to watch it twice, as I told you, because I am, I am an old person, uh, <laughs> a very old person. You're very sleepy, uh, you're very with child, you're very old. Uh, I, I got to not start movies after 9 o'clock at night, but um, <laughs> this means I have to do, do it twice, basically. You so. didn't have any The Thing-related nightmares, did you? Uh no, this is not the kind of movie that would give me give me. <laughs> You're probably just smiling, having a dream of hanging out with Kurt Russell and Wilford yeah. Brimley, and just, yeah. you know, just enjoying yeah. yourself. Yeah, no, I, I the the I'm much more of a Rosemary's Baby would give me nightmares type of person so, so far. Um, but we'll we'll see with the next one. Uh, that That's that one right. is a, a, an unsettling film in its own right too. So. That's right, Andrew. Thank you for setting me up. We have one more mm-hmm. entry left in uh, horror month, and it is it follows the 2014, which I think I I've not seen that one, but I believe that dips more back into the traditional horror path that we've eschewed so far. Is that correct? It does, but it's. It's it's 2000. It's of the 2010s. It's it's much more self-aware than you know uh, Halloween or Friday the Thirteenth. So sure. uh, so it's 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 it, again like what, we tried to do these these eras where they have very distinct sensibilities and um, it follows will be a great great entry in that in that in that sense. So yeah, I think of the most recent batch of horror movies along that sort. It's self-aware without being up its own butt. Right, like, like being cognizant of the tropes, but not necessarily telling right. you that you're cognizant, just trying to sort of make a film around that. Just, so. just play with them, right? I mean, in in really interesting ways, without like send them up, right? Like, which is what Scream did, and then it's. I think that all peaked with Cabin of the Woods, you know, the Cabin yeah, of the Woods. Of so, right. um, <clears throat> yeah. Well, I'm very excited. It'll be we'll be putting that out right before Halloween, and I think it'll be a real treat. And that will conclude horror, uh, but for now. 
A real trick or a real treat? Oh. <laughs> I guess that's your choice. It's a, it's a, yeah. it's a binary option, right? So yeah. take whichever you like. I think we're always a treat. Yeah, but there are tricks on this podcast. We are playing tricks, spooky tricks with these episodes. There's not really any tricks. We're just here talking about movies. Yeah, Yeah. It's pretty straightforward. (laughs) That's right. Well, as always, please visit inrealdeep.com for all your movie reviewing needs. Andrew's Blade Runner review is up. We're getting into the hot part of 2017 movie season. There should be some high-profile films coming out in the near future, and I know Andrew and I are going to bust our butts to get to the theater and review some of the finest Oscar quality caliber films and get that out there for our two cents out for the world to see. So be sure to check out inrealdeep.com whenever you have a free moment. Indeed. For now, thanks for listening, and we'll be seeing you further on at the road. Adios. Adios.